0: You're listening to Foreseeable, a production of Globalization, the flagship digital platform of Singapore's Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy. Each episode, we invite an expert for a conversation relating to their area of expertise and to find out what they foresee happening in the future. Two point one children per woman—that is roughly considered replacement-level fertility for a given population. These days, most advanced economies have total fertility rates lower than that. And some of the lowest fertility rates can be observed in Asia, like in Japan, South Korea, and Singapore, where the rate was 1.14 in 2019. Assistant Professor Tan Po Lin from the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy has called this a crisis of national importance and one that will be around for a long time. An expert in population research, she has studied what can be done to reverse this demographic decline and has some interesting findings on what works and what doesn't. Could you tell us a bit about how much of a concern are the demographics as far as declining birth rates from a policy perspective and especially now in the light of the COVID-19 crisis where we have an urgent crisis that people are dealing with?
1: So, on the scale of crisis, yeah. I think, if I understood the question yeah. right, uh, on the scale of crisis, this is more similar perhaps to something like climate change. Okay. It's um, kind of uh, here to stay with us. Mm-hmm. problem uh, is going to take uh, kind of really all of society response and not so much just, oh, let us uh, weather this out. And by 2022, this is not going to be an issue. Okay. How important is this? Clearly, is of national importance. If nothing were done, mm-hmm. if uh, government was unaware or unable to address it, it would be a really big issue, for sure, uh, because you have a twin problem of uh, having fewer workers, you have a problem of aging population, and you also have, you know, frame, social cohesion, because as the group of nationals begin to decline, you have less and less of kind of a commonality okay. in the population. But there's also... Response: uh, How bad the crisis will get is also graded partly on response and how good the response is. Last year, Prime Minister had mentioned that he was prepared to top up part of the deficit in the fertility rate with immigration. Mm. So he said, you know, maybe if we manage to get up to maybe one point four, perhaps we could use immigration to deal with the remaining lack of population uh, to make up the numbers. And I think that's actually a sensible, reachable target. Mm-hmm. But we are not even hitting 1.4. Mm-hmm. Actually, 1.4 is a very low fertility rate. Okay. Uh, but we're not even hitting 1.4.
0: It's a region-wide problem, right? Not just Singapore. There's aging populations and decreasing fertility rates, especially in, in Southeast Asia. Can you give us a little bit of a perspective on that? And, and do you think it's all... The results of the same thing? Is it all the results of just lifestyle, industrialized lifestyle, or is there different factors at work?
1: It is regional. Actually, it's global. Even developing countries actually see drastic cuts in uh, fertility rates. The Middle East mm-hmm. actually has low fertility rates as well. So it used to be more of the province of developed countries, but now it's really a global shift okay.
0: what are people attributing this uh, drop in fertility rates to and then is it the same cause globally or is it vary from country to country or region to region
1: some of the countries that are often talked about as good examples to follow mm-hmm. scandinavian countries because their fertility rates are highly respectable and also the uk the us is actually difficult for you. For, for Singaporean uh, policymakers mm. to directly pick up after them because they have a very different perspective of non-marital childbearing. Mm. So if you look at, for example, Scandinavian fertility rates tend to be about half non-marital. In the US, I don't remember the statistic, but I th- believe it's actually something Higher than that. Okay. Um, in Singapore, that is a drop in the bucket, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. That cultural context, that social context, that childbearing has to be within marriage is maybe one of the biggest schisms between this region and other regions and within this region, of course. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that I work on that's very interesting to me is that if you were in China and Japan and Korea, so, you know, cousins in terms of Confucian inspired, mm-hmm. uh, influenced societies, mm-hmm. they tend to marry pretty late also mm-hmm. like us but once they get married they have the child almost immediately within the year but in Singapore we don't I we see. take our time mm-hmm. uh, okay. we marry younger than they do and we end up ma- having our children just a little bit later than they do okay. so we have a long interval mm-hmm. and part of that I think is just unique to Singapore in terms of you know housing
0: okay housing
1: mm-hmm. being an issue but also in some of my research I looked at stress being a problem and stress is high of course I'm not saying it's not high in other places but mm-hmm. I found that stress is actually, actually, actually linked to lower levels of uh, marital sexual activity okay. and that actually leads to you know an estimate of about people having sex maybe less than once a week maybe okay. three times a month mm-hmm. and that really prolongs your waiting time to getting pregnant there was a, a survey done last year by NGO here and they found that um, 40% of married couples are not happy with their progress trying for a child part of it actually may be the fact that the baseline level of activities mm-hmm. is too low okay. and as long as a, as a result you actually wait a long time to have a first child okay. and if you are marrying at 34 mm-hmm. you know Taking a year off, taking two years off, and you're trying at thirty six, thirty seven. That can really be an issue, and it might you know tip you over into the group that requires kind of uh, assisted technologies okay. to get pregnant.
0: Well, then let me talk about the way that you addressed the issue in, in your article here, and what we can learn from Singapore. The first lesson is addressing the rising age of, of ch- childbearing, as you just described. The later that people start trying to have children, that it results in just a lower overall. Fertility rate. So, what are some things that can be done, and what are there policy prescriptions for that?
1: You could always tie the government support to age. Actually, if you look at the current MMP package, mm-hmm. so the Marriage and Parenthood Package, is is innovative. You know, you do Singapore, but one thing that it does not do is that it does not tackle the age at childbearing at all. Okay. There is nothing about it that encourages people to have children earlier rather than um, later. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of ways to do it. One less intrusive way that I've been researching on how to uh, do it Mm -hmm. is uh, basically to provide people with more information uh, on time of ovulation. So that is something that is a standard thing for people who are trying to get pregnant to use ovulation Mm -hmm. kits. And part of my research is looking at what happens when you just give a lot of people free ovulation kits Mm -hmm. and what happens to, to, to that group of people just the beginning of my research and mm-hmm. preliminary uh, results in suggest that actually no,
0: okay. uh,
1: most people like it to be natural, mm, so okay. they like it to be kind of an act of God or yeah. you know chance mm-hmm. because it feels more right. Right, that that's how you got your child. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it that seems something special. Yeah, and a lot of people actually believe that if it really doesn't come naturally, that's fine because I'll just go to the hospital
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I'll just get medical help and I'm going to get pregnant by IVF. It may not actually occur to most people to use this, you know, as so that might not this might not be the intermediate step. It might be straight out mm-hmm. I'm not conceiving, I'm going to go to the doctor and get IVF started. I see. So this is not something that perhaps a majority do. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if people wanted to try for things like that, they mm-hmm. might use other methods like the calendar method. Mm-hmm. That is more app friendly.
0: So you can get an
1: app on your phone and Mm -hmm. you can use that That's actually less accurate Unless uh, you have um, a special equipment There are many different issues embedded here uh, Including comfort level Mm -hmm. How much stress people feel using So that actually is not obvious It does need to be studied Okay
0: That leads us on to your next point That reproductive technologies are not a panacea So what did you mean by that?
1: Well, unfortunately there is a lot of misinformation okay up uh, there mm-hmm. about how viable IVF is, how the probability of success is highly overestimated. Okay. The cost of IVF, physical and mental, emotional is not that well known. Okay. So people tend to think about how much it would be in dollar terms, but mm. they don't think about how much it means in terms of what it's going to do to their marriage okay. if uh, they have repeated s- cycles where it's failures. There's also issues like secondary infertility. You know, After you get the first, how difficult it is to get the second. So there's a lot of, of optimism, and it's I misplaced see. optimism. Mm. And it's a very unpopular message. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like the villain here, <laughs> even talking about it right. on the podcast, because people just want to hear this message. They want to hear messages like, sorry what's her name the tennis player oh williams, serena, serena yes, williams yeah. yes got married got pregnant at i think her 40s yeah. is that right uh, fan wong got pregnant at 50 mm-hmm. they want to hear things like that right because it's consistent with this message of empowered
0: right. womanhood
1: mm-hmm. now we are in control of our bodies we don't have to be held down by biology anymore okay but the the way that the media has played it is, is not giving the best possible information. It's not just in Singapore. In fact, most of the research is in, you know, countries that you think w- where female education levels are very high. Mm-hmm. Sometimes outstripping men's education levels and the amount of the misinformation is just um, very diff- very high. Just looping back to mm-hmm. your original question, yes, having technology at your fingertips, so far... At this level of technology, it's not going to guarantee you a child Okay. if you wait too late, too long. So, I'm, I'm a bit surprised to hear
0: that IVF it has such a an overly positive image, I guess. So, people just think it's so much easier than it actually is. How do you think that perception got started? Because a lot of times, when it comes to a new technology, people are, I think, a little more pessimistic that something's going to work, don't
1: but, if you think about, you know, the fact that technology, medical technology in particular has changed our lives. Mm-hmm. You see that, you know, with new inventions in insulin, vaccinations, etc. Lives have improved so much for the better. Why not mm-hmm. reproductive technologies? Now, that is a leap. Right. To think that, oh, so much uh, progress has been one one area of medical science. That means that all areas of uh, medical treatments have increased. But that that is that. Okay. linkage and mm-hmm. think about who has the incentive to make this technology sound good lots of people yeah okay uh, lots of companies tend to uh, benefit from marketing okay doctors can say my success rates are you know astronomical who has the incentive to say they don't work okay. Ooh, there are not that many bodies that mm-hmm. benefit from there maybe just a, i think it's a public of course of public interest but mm-hmm. you can't make money off of that
0: what did you mean when you say household production cannot be fully outsourced what does that what does that mean
1: Okay, so this is coming from an economics uh, term. Household production actually just means something like both household chores, doing household chores, mm-hmm. uh, cleaning, cooking, mm-hmm. washing, uh, and doing the, the laundry, and childcare, mm-hmm. that also falls under household production. And that's um, just opposed to paid labor production, okay. okay. market production. In the IMF article, I mentioned that Singapore is actually very special. If you were because there are not that many places in the world where you can get a live-in domestic helper right. who's with you, potentially mm. twenty-four hours yeah. a day, seven days a week, mm. uh, at, at a cost that is affordable for a lot of households. Right, you can get helpers, of course, in many parts of the world, but the yeah, not to the, this level and yeah, extent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in Singapore, so. A lot of women would be responsible more uh, for their children's um, care and responsible for making sure that you know the house is in a presentable state. Mm-hmm. But some of the work is actually passed on right. to either maybe someone who helps you, if if not your mom, maybe a helper. Right, and that is uh, something that is a unique Singapore. And the point I was trying to make is that there's only so much that that kind of outsourcing of house protection can can achieve. Mm -hmm. They can do a lot more than just robots can. They Mm -hmm. they don't just put away dishes or clean dishes. Mm -hmm. They actually can provide human affection as Mm -hmm. well to your children. They're there to comfort them. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't replace what leave for parents time time for parents achieves which is your own time spent with your children and mm-hmm. that is really highly valued mm-hmm. so the fact that you have a lady who's at home can help you mm-hmm. do a lot of the chores that traditionally women do right. doesn't it doesn't make up for the fact that you still yourself need to spend quality time actually not just quality but a certain quantity of time mm-hmm. with your children as well right. so you can't that doesn't replace right um, the need for leave entitlements
0: but do you think that having more annual leave would be enough to encourage people to have more children or think that they could have the time to spend with more children?
1: Well, I've done some preliminary analysis mm-hmm. using the survey
0: mm-hmm. data set that
1: I've collected and I was looking at how long it takes Singaporean women to have their first child because, okay. like I said, it's the interval is long in Singapore yep. between marriage and first birth. Mm-hmm. And I find that if you give people unpaid leave, mm-hmm. that does absolutely nothing. But if you give people paid leave mm-hmm. it actually helps them to achieve the interval that they're aiming for okay. So a, a half of women don't manage to give birth within that ideal interval that they want to okay so they usually give half of women give birth six months or later than what they would like okay so if you're o- going for one year but half of women won't give birth by a year and a half okay, okay. but if you have paid leave that helps you to achieve I see that, that goal okay. but if it's unpaid hmm
0: doesn't no. make any difference. No, yeah. it, it okay. doesn't help at all. Okay. Yeah. And then your lesson four was acknowledge human capital's true cost. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: I think that a lot of people like to come to our school because Singapore is such a success story. Mm-hmm. So we bear, we bear a very well-respected name, obviously, the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy. People want to come here and understand how, what how things work. And I sometimes think that when people come and want to learn from us one thing that they may not want to learn from us is how to get the birth rate going up <laughs> uh, because our birth rate is not going up Okay. so is that so the way that I think about it is is this a policy failure does it mean that we're not doing so well here and uh, I want to push back okay. against the argument and actually say it's not that so much that incentives don't work mm-hmm. or support doesn't help is that the other areas of policy are too successful. Okay. So the policies that are in place in Singapore in, in in Singapore to make sure that you are successful, make sure that you are putting your all in your career in education. Mm-hmm. These forces are so strong because mm-hmm. the background infrastructure is so well maintained and so so consistent mm-hmm. that these these voices, basically, this narrative just drowns out policies that are put in place to support childbearing. Okay. What I was arguing was that basically in Singapore, we have the ha- world's highest human capital. Mm-hmm. That's not an accident also that mm-hmm. in East Asia where you find the lowest fertility rates, you have the world's highest human capital. Mm-hmm. And there is in the literature a well-established trade-off between how many children you have and what they call child quality, how okay. much you invest in children. Mm-hmm. So basically, there's just so much pressure, so much rewards from Mm -hmm. investing in your children. And that's so successful that it's making it very difficult, basically, to increase the number of children. Mm -hmm. So I think that that has to be one of the ways to frame it. And that actually tells you also that when you look at policy to address declining fertility rate, population policy, Mm -hmm. it's not a standalone. It's integrated Mm -hmm. with education. It's integrated with the economy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's not going to be a simple kind of patches or fixes.
0: Yeah. What do you foresee happening and what are some of the short-term things that you're going to be watching as far as policy decisions and maybe any indication that would let you know if you think the policy rate, if the fertility rate will continue to decline or reverse and and maybe flatline or increase?
1: Okay. I think that at some point, the government or, you know, in general, uh, researchers as well, were looking for the uptick Mm in fertility rate that was seen in some European countries because the age at childbearing had stabilized. Okay. Uh, Once it stopped dropping and dropping, I mean, you know, getting increasing increasing what happens is that you see an increase in the tfr because of the way it's calculated you have an increase and that happened in japan as well so japan now has tfr that's resting above 1.4 and so in singapore they were looking for that increase as well so that i think is one of the anticipations that was laid out but if you look at the actual Age-specific fertility rates. It seems that the twenties, you know, uh, childbearing in the twenties, is just going down and down, and the thirties is the increase in thirties is just not picking. It's not picking up fast enough, to, so the recovery effect is going to be small. It's not going to be as large as observed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That's first of all uh, what I what I what I would anticipate that it would that's not gonna be that much of a of a pickup from the tempo effect. Mm-hmm. Much further than that, I don't have a crystal ball. I I guess I'm not uh seeing that uh there is a huge impetus towards a higher increase in fertility rate.
0: Will there be any adjustments that you think might move the lever one? one-
1: what I think is going to happen based on just my reading mm-hmm. of the newspapers yeah. and narratives is that i think that there is going to be a kind of a doubling down on workplace policies and a doubling down on getting fathers involved okay. and that kind of placed the narrative that the policies in place are not sufficient because you need to overcome a resistance From companies who are pushing back or uh, society that's pushing back. So, that Mm -hmm. is kind of, I think, the direction that we're going towards. So, that's a changing of the institutions uh, social institutions, economic institutions. So, I think that that's going to be part of it. The other part that I see happening is that there's going to be kind a uh, uh, kind of push for early e- childhood education. Okay. I think that jails perfectly with kind of the way that the nation wants to build up the labor force mm-hmm. in order to prepare for the you know, the uh, robotics revolution, right, yeah, the uh, preparing fourth people Industrial for that. Revolution, exactly. That, right. So I think that, you know, once again, the government has found a perfect way to dovetail, mm-hmm. kill many birds with one stone move right. with that's early childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to see kind of, and it's already been announced, there's going to be more subsidies, there's going to be much more money poured into preparing teachers, making, mm-hmm. making sure that, that, that there's a kind of reliable formal sector yeah. for childhood provision of childcare. So I think I see that kind mm-hmm. of going forward. I do not see uh, extension of leave, maternity leave. I do not see uh, much more of extension of cash gifts because that is kind of like a gesture. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that seems to be the consensus now that it's a gesture, it's not the mover. Mm-hmm. Of people's fertility decisions. What I'm hoping for, I think that, as coming out from my research, I hope that the, re- the, the 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 package that we have in place takes more into account not just encouraging you know a kind of universal encouragement of families to have children or to help them have children, but really targeting the groups that are. At risk of moving into not being able to have children as easily anymore. So, basically, more attention to HIV ch- childbearing. Okay. It's not irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Biology is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it matters. It should be taken into account when we form policies. Yeah.
0: Great. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. Appreciate Thank you
1: for it. your Thanks.
0: time. For more information or to subscribe to our newsletter, go to lkyspp.edu.sg forward slash GIA or join our Facebook group at Global Is Asian. That's Global I-S-A-S-I-A-N.